Hey, Brandon. Yeah, Nathan? If I told you there was a movie with Eugene Levy and John Candy in it together, what would you think? Uh, that would be hilarious. I know, right? <laughs> uh, excuse me, sirs. Huh? Yes. What? 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 Do you, what? Oh, what? Yes, I represent the estate of the late Harold Ramis. We're putting forth an injuncture and a cease and desist to have you not talk about this movie or uh, our late client's participation in the creation of said movie. Uh, I, I, yeah, that doesn't seem right. I don't really think that's a thing. Uh, well, actually, it is. We have taken this sort of case to the highest court in the land, and we will definitely do the same with you two ne'er-do-wells if you do not cease and desist talking about Armed and Dangerous and Harold Ramis's help in writing and creating this monstrosity. Hmm. Well, um, highest court in the land, huh? I think we should consult our counsel, if you know what I mean, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Just give me one. Mother Superior! Oh! You're trying to stop this show, young lad? Well, I, I am a lawyer. That's I'm representing my clients, yes? You come here, I'm gonna smack your bottom! Oh, I gotta get my briefs out of here. Get back here! Ow! I will, I will sue you in five states! I'm a servant of God! You know when I pick a movie That's when I'm What were they thinking is this podcast's name-o, and Brendan is my name-o. And you're such a lame-o? <laughs> oh, that's mean. Ah, hashtag truthful. And I'm Nathan. And that's his name-o. Stop it. And this movie's name-o is Armed and dangerous so I will reach through the fiber optic <laughs> cable and strangle you. Starring Jane, John Candio. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Yes, you're done. Are you good? Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Okay. 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 And Eugene Levy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, this podcast where we talk about bad movies, bad movies or questionable or bonkers, absurd movies, and we are definitely doing that this week. After last week, I am wiped. <laughs> so <laughs> To say the least, that was a marathon. But we are doing uh, an episode that is a lot lighter on plot, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> 1986, the year of my birth. There you go. You just gave everybody an opportunity to identity thief you. Oh, shit. I mean, not the year of my birth. <laughs> uh, 1986's Armed and Dangerous, starring John Candy and Eugene Levy, and, like, every character actor who's ever lived. Yeah. Or at least in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. You've got Principal Strickland. He's yes. back. Robert Loja. Robert Loja, you've got... Oh, and I, I guess not character actor, but also starring a very young and very attractive Meg Ryan. Yeah. Oh. And you thought you thought you were uh, having, ish, having uh, you know, the feelings with the Julia Roberts pixie cut. I was all about Meg Ryan in this movie. Oh, she... Yes, easy on the eyes, that's for damn sure. Uh-huh. 
We also win. Zeus was in this thing, so we've already got our wrestling wrestling reference out of the way. Boom! Not quite a character actor, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Every time I mean, every time you see him, granted, it is. Oh, hey, it's Zeus. Yeah, it's kind of the same character, <laughs> <laughs> but still, it's, he's kind of just playing himself. Well, he, I, he's like, yeah, he is the Christopher Walken of extras. I like it. <laughs> Brian James. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's another guy. He's often playing well, pretty much well what he played in this movie. Usually he's a, like a gruff villain type or a gruff cop type. Well, speaking of villains, we we are almost uh, went over one of the biggest ones right now. Anyway, in terms of popularity, it's uh, Jonathan Banks uh, who plays one of the villains, and he's also uh, Mike in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Yes. Who, by the way, in this movie looks exactly like he did in Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, as soon as he showed up, I was like, oh, it's it's that guy. <laughs> but, um, well, let's let's get in a little bit of the background of this movie. So, Armed and Dangerous, 1986. Oh, just a second. Before we do that, I've, I simply must get into the right frame of mind here. Okay. Uh, a nice cider from Yip here. Yep. Uh, the Hope Cider, it's uh, 6%, and I'm stealing another bit. Is <laughs> And is it made by Jumpin' Jeff Farmer? I wish. No, <laughs> it's uh, made by New Brunswick Farmers, because it's 100% New Brunswick. If anybody gets that reference, please tweet us. Uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot of background here, but I do want to go over a couple little things. So, Harold Ramis is one of the credited screenwriters, of course, as you may have heard from the opening. It's one of these, one of these cases where he, I think he helped write a script. I think they did a lot of rewrites. He wasn't happy with what they did with his product because I'm assuming his was going to be a little more, uh, I don't know, maybe like more consistent with the tone. Cause it yeah, kind of kind of jumps all over the place. Yeah, it's it's very much um, I don't know on par with like the, some of the more cartoony movies that we've done. Yeah, but then it gets real dark, which we'll get into. Yeah. But yeah, so Harold Ramis uh, wanted his name taken off the, the screenplay credit. He didn't want anything to do with this movie. He couldn't do that, but he did actually get his name removed as one of the executive producers. So he got something <laughs> out of it. But this movie uh, cost $12 million. In 1986 money? Yeah. Wow. It's a decent budget. Yeah. It all went to the last 10 minutes. Yes, because, <laughs> oh boy howdy, is that whole thing... Out of control. And it made $15.9 million. That's too bad. Yeah, well, and, and like, of course, we've gone over, like, budget box office stuff before. That's probably not a profit. If it, if it is, it's, like, a tiny profit. No, usually you have to make double your budget back to make any sort of decent profit on a movie. Especially with a $12 million budget. Yeah. But um, the other thing I wanted to note it was, did you know who was originally going to star in this movie? I did not. Well, it was going to be John Candy right from right from the get-go. Yeah. But in the Eugene Levy role, it was going to be originally Tom Hanks. Really? Which would make sense around this time because, you know, you got Dragnet. Well, he w- that's the thing. He's in that movie with another uh, Second City type in that yep. he's in it with uh, Dan Aykroyd. Yep, and he was also, and he did a lot of comedies around this time. He did Big, The Burbs. So why didn't he? Why why didn't he do it? Was it just schedule conflicts? I 
I think that's exactly what it was. Because he's done stuff with uh, John Candy before, because John Candy was in Splash, and he was also in, um, what was it, like The Adventures, The Discoverers, or something like that? Yeah. So, yeah, that's no, I weird think... he wouldn't be in it with the... With that, I suppose. <laughs> I, th- I think what happened, yeah, he just had a schedule conflict. And basically, John Candy was the one to be like, well, you know, I've worked with the guy at SCTV for years. Let's get Eugene Levy. Uh, like, we already worked together. You won't have to do any kind of prep. Yeah, I think this is like the first big thing that I'd seen him in at all. Young Eugene Levy is weird. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It's just like it's off-putting to me. I don't know what it is. I mean, I've seen him on SCTV, but he's always doing all these different characters, so I never really realized it. But seeing him just basically play like a version of himself, which is yeah, that's interesting too. Because when you flash forward to see him playing Jason Biggs' dad in American Pie, it's almost like these movies could almost exist within each other, <laughs> like the same universe. My son is sitting here right now with his hand glued to his penis. But that doesn't mean anything to you, does it? Because you don't have a penis. Or maybe you do. Greatest scene ever. (laughs) But this movie starts out. How does it start out? It starts out with the armed and dangerous theme song. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A staple of 80s comedies is that you gotta have your own theme song with the title and the name. And we get Officer John Candy, which I've called him because I don't remember his character's name. Dooley. Yeah, that's uh, John Candy. I don't know, it's an Irish cop. I mean, that seems pretty standard to me. Yeah. So John Candy is driving around. Dooley's a good cop. You'll pay him the respect he deserves. I will call him John Candy, goddammit. Alright, I'm not going to war for this. Sweet. Another forfeit victory. <laughs> John Candy's driving around, he is a cop, he stops by and sees a young girl who has lost her kitty in a tree. Mm-hmm. Will you get my kitty for me? I was right, right away, by the uh, by the way, right off the bat, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a dark opening scene. I thought it was going to be like, <laughs> I thought it was going to be like he climbed up and like accidentally stepped on the cat or knocked it off the tree and killed it or something. So I was pretty surprised the way this went down. Yeah. Because John Candy climbs up, he's obviously very nervous. And what, while he's climbing, I don't know if you notice this too, but like as he's climbing, obviously the camera is like above his waist, mm-hmm. and you could tell it's like the most obvious, like he's stepping in footholds or or a ladder, <laughs> like because there's no way he's climbing that like flat tree that yeah. well. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny that this scene actually made me think of another scene in uh, the movie. I think it's Police Academy where. Tackleberry uh, helps someone get a cat out of the tree, and he like he shoots at the cat to get it Jeez. out of the tree. Yeah, like I would have been, I wouldn't have been surprised if that was this scene. Like that's kind of that's what I thought was going to happen because <laughs> I hadn't seen it in so long. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that's why Nathan picked this movie. God damn it! <laughs> get me with the fucking animal violence. Cat again. murder right out of the way. Hashtag cat murder. Jesus. <laughs> The funny thing is, people, Nathan also has a cat. He just likes torturing me. <laughs> so, John Candy goes up. He gets gets a hold of the cat. Uh, but then, you know, he's very scared. So then we cut to uh, the fire department arriving and saving both of them. Yes. Which, 
it's like it's fine as an opening. I, I just it's very uh, kind of low energy, which kind of surprised me. That's why I was like, I thought he was going to do something crazy to get the cat out. Well, and considering the the tact he takes throughout the rest of the movie afterwards, yeah, this is very like you said before we went on out of character for him. It's very yeah, I thought it was out of character for sure because I was like, oh, he's supposed to be this sweet like lovable cop, uh, <laughs> like neighborhood cop guy, and that is not the case. No. But also, uh, oh, by the way, did you see Brian Grazer's name in the credits? Yes. Actually, he was the reason this movie got made. Oh. Yeah. Because uh, you had mentioned about Harold Ramis, uh, all the fighting he did to get the thing off. I get his name off of it and stuff like that. Apparently, the original project, I know we're really cutting deep before we get going at all, but it was, it, it was developed by Harold Ramis for Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. Oh, that makes sense. And Ramis said it had died a quiet death and then was resurrected by Brian Grazer, the producer. Brian said, if I can find a director, can I make this movie? And Harold Ramis said, yeah, okay. And then it didn't go well from that point forward for him. No. Considering Candy's behavior for the rest of the movie, I think this is the literal save the cat moment. Yeah, and they end up having to get the police, the, the fire department, to do it for them. <laughs> yeah, it's the only attempt to save the cat, but also then you have to get saved moment. So it tells us that, you know, Dooley is kind-hearted, but kind of bumbling right out of the gate, obviously. Well, that's what I mean, like, but I don't think he is bumbling later. Well, <laughs> there are flashes. I There are flashes, I find, but yeah. for the most part, he's... Uh, He's fairly spot on. I feel like this is like this the mixture of different people working on the script. Because I think the original script had him much more affable and bumbling. Whereas the new the, the other guys that came in added this like mean streak to him. Or maybe it was vice versa. I don't know. But it definitely feels like there's two different people's brains going into this character. Oh, yeah. Because uh, the later stuff, like especially with his character is a lot grittier and darker for sure. Mhm. But let's say hey, let's jump into it because yeah. after the whole thing with the cat which can almost just be considered hey, it's an opening SCTV skit before the movie starts. <laughs> uh we jump to Hollywood and Vine, 80s Hollywood, man. This I know I I was 8 and in New Brunswick, but this really took me back. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is very 80s. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, he goes over, he's driving around again, and he comes upon an electronics store where he sees a couple guys that are lifting TVs. It turns out they're both cops. Yeah, dirty cops. Dirty cops. And he tra- he holds them up, uh, but then one of them, like, tosses the TV to him, and as the cops are arriving on the scene, or I guess, I guess it's internal affairs... Uh, the two guys that stole the TVs are like, hey, we got him, we got him. So they're basically framing John Candy by doing the old, oh, this is yours now. Right, and here, I get this is right out of the gate. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't happen. <laughs> right, I'm going to start applying logic to this movie right away. <laughs> because if internal, internal affairs showed up to, you know, to arrest this break and enter they would have files on the cops that they already suspected. Mm Mm-hmm. And if they suspected those two cops that were there 
saying John Candy was doing this. God, you got me doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> they would be like, no, we know it wasn't him because we're investigating you two jagoffs. Exactly. Yeah, they would. Yeah, they would. They wouldn't just be like, "Oh, I guess our uh, months of investigation were incorrect, boys." I guess it's this random cop. Even though we found the two guys we were investigating here at the crime scene. Yeah, I feel like this movie just uh, has internal affairs operating like just regular cops. Yeah, but uh, shortly after this, they go to court. They take him to court, and uh, he's dismissed off the force. He's fined and fired, and. All that good stuff. So he has been uh, he has been let go by the police force. The the judge and I saw this in the credits was Stacy Keach Senior. Yeah, I saw that too. And when I read that, I was like, "Oh, is that the same one as Up in Smoke?" And then I was like, "Oh no, no, that's his dad." Yeah, that I thought that was because I didn't know that his dad was like an actor. No, not, I had no idea. Not the biggest Stacy Keach fan, so. <laughs> Uh, Stacy Keach is great, yeah. He is great. Yeah. Um, but then the movie takes a turn, because right after this, we get the entrance of, I'm just gonna say, Charles Manson. Absolutely a Manson-esque guy, although he apparently only drew his, uh, swastika on his forehead, because you could see the ink running in <laughs> HD. I, I mean, imagine if the actor had been like, no, I want it to be legitimate, tattoo it. <laughs> but yeah he's got a he's comes in with the sweat stick of the long hair and then of course as soon as he enters uh all these all his like followers stand up and do the heil salute which at first i didn't know he was supposed to be like a white supremacist so when they stand up and do that i was like oh oh what yeah i, I thought he was just like a, a cult leader like manson but they they definitely added the nazi thing in i was like oh yeah. god is that where we're going <laughs> All right. <laughs> but uh, then we get the entrance of Eugene Levy, who takes a great bump off of John Candy's shoulder block. Yeah, some good slapstick right there. Like some some Rey Mysterio-esque bumping on that yeah. one. Yep. And he comes in to be this, uh, this crazy person's lawyer, <laughs> who whispers in his ear, and I think bites him. Yes. And says, if, you, if I go to jail, I'm going to kill you. If you're in court, I feel like someone would see that. Yeah. There are bailiffs there. That's their job. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the case wouldn't move forward at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Eugene Levy, it turns out, not a great lawyer. <laughs> no. In fact, uh, when he asked to have a couple of charges dismissed and a few others lowered, they asked him, well, what about these 16 counts of kidnapping or something like that and he said yeah. uh, he didn't mean it and at, he also says that at one point the facts are irrelevant yeah so the judge is like and then the judge is like listen i will just you you go find another line of work i don't think he can do that i, I th this is completely legitimate american ninja-esque uh, yep. judging <laughs> <laughs> you go find another line of work and i'll just put this guy in jail forever he'll never touch you yeah which, I, I know you'd watched this before, but I was surprised watching this the first time that plot thread never came back. I thought his followers were going to go after him at some point. No, I mean, that's, that's a tad heavy for <laughs> for this kind of movie. 
not like it was going to be like a full on like murder or anything, but I felt I I thought that was going to be referenced again at some point. Oh, like at one point he that they happened upon him or he manages to stop them or thwart them during like that big scene in the final third act. Yeah, or yeah. like maybe even right at the end like they they they've, you know, done whatever and then he sees one of them and John Candy has to stop him or something like that. Okay. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. It just felt weird that it was just kind of it just kind of brought up and then dropped. I get, I get it, but like it, it surprised me. That's all. Hmm. But he takes the judge's offer and decides to become a private security guard along with John Candy, along with John Candy and a bunch of like a bunch of weirdos. Yep. And I just want to say right now too, Nathan, you could tell this is an American movie. Because if this was a Canadian security guard thing, or at least a maritime security guard thing, they would have a lot less power. Yes. They would not be issued guns. <laughs> no. They would be lucky if they got, like, clubs. The only time that they would be issued guns would be if they were driving uh, the armored cars, like they do later. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, like... I, I was like, what level of security are they doing? Because sometimes they're driving armored cars, and sometimes they're just, like, guarding pharmacies. But that's it. I mean, I don't I don't feel that you would see that sort of thing with, uh, you know, private security companies. Usually it's, like, they're mall cops or they're armored truck, found, like, uh, companies. They, that's all they do is they transport sensitive informations and materials like money and things like that so those guys do weapons training and get issued sidearms and stuff whereas the guy making sure nobody's taking food into the gap no, no, just a just a club in a walkie maybe a flashlight <laughs> and, a, and a light flashlight too a light plastic one yeah not like a <laughs> military issue one or not like a big honker right that's, I think that's their actual brand name. <laughs> Make sure you get your issued guns and Big Honker flashlights. <laughs> Today, Overlay Figures brought to you by Big Honker flashlights. Get your Big Honker flashlights at Canadian Tire, Home Depot, Home Hardware, and Kent Building Supplies. Not available for Canadian security guards. <laughs> so, yeah, they're at this meeting. Uh, uh, Eugene Levy has like kind of a near... A scary encounter with a former client who says, "You look familiar." Yeah, and he's like, he, he's like, uh, "I was, I was charged." And he's like, "Oh, did you get off?" No, I, I served time. He's like, "Oh, that you don't know me then." Yeah, this is all happening during the uh, uplifting. The world is a shithole speech. Yep, and this movie really doesn't like unions. No, well, <laughs> it's not that they don't like unions; they don't like corrupt union heads. True, but uh, like just just for the fact that the union in this movie is pretty evil. Yes, headed up by well, we'll talk later, but headed up by Robert Loge's character. Uh, by the way, his name is Michael Carlino, and I was like, did they? Is that a takeoff of like Michael Corleone? I guarantee you, it is. Yeah, a hundred percent, right? Yeah, and he's his muscle is uh, Jonathan Banks and Brian James. Brian James, yeah, yeah. So they're basically like, hey, uh, the union shows up and they're like, we're going to take a $30 initiation fee and then a weekly amount of $15 off your paycheck, which is a lot in 1986. No, here's the breakdown. You didn't hear uh, during the during the speech, because you really have to listen because there was, I think that was the conversation with Eugene Levy 
and uh, the former client. Guy giving the speech says, your uniform will cost $99. Oh, shit. I didn't yeah. hear that. So 99 bucks right out of the gate. Is it $51 for the, I suppose it the course? And then yeah. 30 for uh, your union fees. So you're 180 bucks out of your first paycheck to start. And if they're getting four fifty an hour, yeah. they're not getting a first paycheck. Then fifteen bucks a week after that, which is automatically deducted. Yeah, and you said the uniform is ninety nine dollars. That's nineteen eighty six money. Yes, that's a shit ton of money for a uniform. Right, and of course, and a lot of times that's where I don't know some setups like this will get you because you know you you end up starting your you do end up doing your first month work for almost free. Soon, so uh, Eugene Levitt, of course, raises a little bit of a stink about this because that's going to be kind of his through line. He, he challenges uh, authority wherever he can. He he's complaining about the uh, the dues and asking what it goes towards, and they say it goes towards your pension, your old age security. And when does when do I get that? And, they, and he says sixty five, and he acts all shocked, like that's not the standard age for retirement. <laughs> we get our PG thirteen f bomb here. Because he, he's questioning it, he's complaining, and the Brian, Brian James says, sign the fucking form. So shut up and sign the fucking form. Do you have a pen? Uh, later on, they do uh, their gun training, headed up by the gorgeous, beautiful, wonderful, all-around perfect Meg Ryan. She is something to behold in this movie. I feel like so under underutilized in this, too. She's great. Like, she's an... Yes, she's in a lot of rom-coms and, like, fluffy movies, but she's a good actress. Oh, yeah. And I, I feel like she doesn't get a whole lot to do, comedic-wise, but she's she's good. She does what she can. And she has to tell them, uh, don't start shooting till I get out of the way. So, return to your positions and load your guns, but do not, I repeat, do not commence firing until I have left the target area. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, there's this one guy who's literally just shooting up into the air and he shoots like a bird. <laughs> Luke he Jake. would be he would be fired right away. <laughs> they would not hire him. He he actually it's it's weird because this is I mean, it's a comedy, it's played for last, but this guy actually ends up get, getting introduced as even more of a comedic relief. Yeah. Cuz he keeps showing up at the these other random assignments that they're doing like when they're at the dump and all that. Finding garbage br- combs and all that. <laughs> we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. But, the, yeah, this, so this guy's, like, shooting up in the air. Nobody can shoot straight. Eugene Levy's literally shooting into, like, the tall grass. Uh, and then John Candy, it's at this point where we kind of get their connection because Candy is, like, the one to to show him how to shoot a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get this... So after this whole gun training thing, we get the joke that they do in every single movie. Yes, because like we talked about that. We uh, did, yeah. And what movie was Garbage that? Garbage Pail Kids. What? Yes, Garbage Pail Kids. Because he actually says, I, I, "I alligator." Yeah, yeah. but in this one, it's "I state your name, everybody." I state your name. And yes, that's the the joke mm-hmm. that we belied. But what comes next actually was I had I don't often see where they just start rambling nonsense words while he's repeating the oath and you're just like let's just keep going because this counts as them saying the oath 
Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're not uh, they're not really say, yeah they're not really saying anything coherent. And then after this, Meg Ryan has given everyone their assignments. She's like, uh, uh, she puts Candy and Levy together, and she's like, "You're gonna guard this like pharmaceutical plant," mm-hmm. uh, which also which also has killer dogs. <laughs> yes. So I don't know why they need to be there. <laughs> like, are they guarding the dogs? No, the dogs are in the area where. Even more sensitive stuff might be. Okay. So it doesn't have to be patrolled by people. There's dogs that are trained to he- to come at any sound that they hear and come ready to attack. I do think it's weird that they have a warning on the door that says, Beware killer dogs, if they're supposed to be guarding it. <laughs> I don't feel that they... Well, I mean, they do have to put up a warning, but I don't think they would put killer dogs. <laughs> they would put, like, yeah, security was... dogs or something like that. People are just, like security dogs they're going to attack me that's really where you your default should be set it's just like a different breed of dog killer dog <laughs> uh, you know Cujo is great and everything would have been a much better movie if they just called it killer dog <laughs> or man's best friend coming soon <laughs> that movie probably <laughs> Lance Hendrickson's in it we gotta oh classic then Candy and uh, Levy show up, and uh, they're, you know, they, they run into Zeus. Zeus is in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he tells him, you know, go relieve the day shift. And uh, later on, they're just kind of lounging on their break, and he's like, nah, you gotta take your break in the cafeteria. By the way, this is a real thing at Jobs. I can relate to this. Oh, I've never had that. i never had that. Well, I mean, I, I've, I've seen people, like, I've never done it, because, like, I, uh, when I have a break, I don't want to be anywhere near my job. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I've seen people hang out in their uniforms, like in the lobby of the theater. Oh, okay. And the boss is just like, "Yeah, you you can't do that. <laughs> you can't just like be sitting in the like because pe- other people walking by will just be like, oh, why are their employees just like lazing around? Yeah. So I mean, there's a break room for a reason. So I'm kind of on Team Zeus for this one. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would want to stay in their work area to begin with. I, I already spend most of my day there. I'm not going to be like, I don't have to be here. I'm not going to be here. Exactly. And besides, like, the chances of someone coming up to you and asking you a question while you're on your break, and what are you going to do? You can't just be like, nah, fuck off. Piss off, I'm on my break. Yeah. I'm on my fucking lunch break, okay? So, he tells them to go on break. They go towards the cafeteria. Well, Levy's like, I got to go get my food, my lunch in the car. He runs into a bunch of people in ski masks loading up a truck. He is super, like, I don't know, it's naive or oblivious. I don't know if he was or if he was, like, it was weird to, to figure out because it seemed like he was naive, but then it also kind of seemed like he knew what was going on. Well, after they pulled guns on him, yeah. <laughs> but at first he's just like, he's like, guys, ski mask, it's not that cold. <laughs> and then he's like, well, so says you, but I'm going to need to see an invoice. <laughs> I got my hand glued to my penis. Sorry. <laughs> he's just super square. I find think he's really naive and he puts it together way late. But my real yeah. question in this whole scene, how does he not recognize their voices? Oh yeah, cuz that's clearly Jonathan Banks and Brian James. Yeah. Yeah. Like even not knowing what was to come, I was like, "Oh, it's those two." Yeah. Um 
I have no idea. So he, I guess he's really dumb, too. I guess. But, like, he doesn't... They play him more as naive than dumb later, though. So, I mean, I'm sure it's just, oh, we need him to be dumb here, so let's just write him as dumb. Mm. Uh, but he, he... They start chasing him. Uh, he goes into the, into the room marked, beware killer dogs. Yes. And... John Candy shows up, and then they pull out fucking, like, machine guns or something. Like, automatic weapons. Yeah. They just, and unload and they just on him. Sh- yeah, shooting at him, yeah. Yeah, so he, he obviously gets out of the way. Uh, and then they, they manage to take off. <laughs> and much like last week, Nathan, mm-hmm. like last week's movie, John Candy goes into the room with the killer dogs to see uh, <laughs> where Eugene Levy is, and John Candy punches a dog. Punches a dog. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag dog assault <laughs> hashtag, hashtag doggy punch there you go i don't know that that's I, don't, I would urban dictionary before i started saying that sort of thing <laughs> i'm sure it's something it if could donkey be. punch is something doggy yeah. punch has got to be something so this is where it gets a little murky for me because they failed to stop a uh, like a robbery fine they're security guards i get it but i don't think you can get fined for that no. For no, just I, attempting to do your job? No, it, well, again, it's it's loose 1986 screenwriting. I don't yeah, feel yeah. that that would be the... I feel that actually the stuff that they would pay towards the union would uh, help indemnify them against that sort of stuff. Well, I guess that goes into the whole evil union thing. I suppose, yes. Because they get reamed out by their boss, Mr. McConnell... And find over a hundred, and find both a hundred dollars. So they're real pissed. They're ranting and raving. And he's such a poop head. He's such a poop head, is what Eugene Levy says. <laughs> this is PG thirteen. I'm surprised he didn't say shithead. Again, I think it goes back to his, the character's naivete. Mm-hmm. By the way, Eugene Levy is uh, forty in this movie. Just wanted to point that out. <laughs> real weird. Real weird. <laughs> Um, I'm used to Eugene Levy as like a 65 year old man. <laughs> yeah, so they're ranting and raving about about him, and they do that right in front of Meg Ryan, who it turns out is the boss's daughter. That, but they don't have the same last name. Nope. Hashtag Tara Reed, Ashton <laughs> Kutcher. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she was I, I quickly divorced. I don't know. <laughs> oh, like uh, the last name thing. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Like. Why not just give her the same last name? Because it would prevent this from being a thing. I feel anybody would say, oh, his name's O'Connell, her name's O'Connell, probably related. But I think they only know her first name, because all they do, they just keep calling her Maggie. I, I Yeah, I suppose. I don't know, it's, yeah. Anyway, it's her father. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> So, you know, Eugene Levy's like, oh, great, she hates me now. And I'm like, wait a second. is Wait a second, are we building to a Eugene Levy-Meg Ryan romance? <laughs> that's what we're, that's what's implied here. Yep. <laughs> Strange, too, because again, I still think he's 65 in this movie. <laughs> so they go, they take up their grievances to the union. Headed by Robba Loggia. Yep, playing Michael Corleone. <laughs> and, uh... And Principal Strickland. Well, yeah, and Principal Strickland, right? And, you know, the other the two thugs from earlier. Mm-hmm. And Michael Corleone, is a, he's a great uh, he's a great union boss because they, they tell him, like, you know, we got fined for doing our job. And he's like, just pay it and shut up. Yeah, and if you show up at another one of these meetings, I'll break your knees. 
Right. I'm like, if you're supposed to be, like, under the radar as, like, a villain, maybe put on a less gruff exterior. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe people will suspect you less. <laughs> but yeah, he basically tells them off. But then Eugene Levy gets very animated, starts uh, fighting back at all these, like, uh, union wages that don't go to anything, and uh, just basically their, their practices in general. People start cheering and getting behind him, and... That's that. Unfortunately, is uh, they pay for that a little but, bit. And it, but it's weird too because this is when uh, Lozier's getting all wound up. Principal Strickson's all wound up. They're yelling at Eugene Levy, and uh, this is where he says, if, "If I see you at one of these meetings again, I'll break your legs." Eugene Levy just goes, "Uh, point of Parliament, sir," and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> it's the weirdest joke I've ever seen in a movie point of parliament yeah you're saying you never um in, in the ring cut a promo said point of parliament and got a huge pop no no hmm nor have i ever done it at a team meeting at work either <laughs> it would seem odd to do in just real life so the fact that it gets over like grover in this is I, it was, like I said, the weirdest thing, the weirdest joke I'd ever seen in a movie. <laughs> well, that's that's uh, that's high praise. Yep, saying something. <laughs> so they get punished. Candy and Levy get punished. They're sent to work security at a toxic waste dump. No, first th- they go. They're guarding garbage. Because this is where Kokolovic shows up again. Yeah, he finds he's finding like combs and shit. I saw a toothbrush a couple mounds over. Great, great. What color is it? Is? <laughs> Red to go with my comb. I'm on it. And he walks away and just falls into a garbage sinkhole. Yeah, I would have laughed if we never saw him again at that point. It's like, <laughs> just assume that he died there. <laughs> I It would definitely be in line with some of the darker moments of this movie. Mm-hmm. But, uh, they... John Ganny and Eugene Levy go to the toxic waste dump after yep. this. They see these two cops that have working there for three weeks and they have like no teeth and like their hair has fallen out. It's like, we got to do something about this. So they go, uh, they, they start, they start tailing Zeus. Well, because the guys at the toxic waste dump tell them how they got a sign there. Same thing happened to them. They happened. fucked with the union. Yeah. Yeah. But no, like, exactly the same thing that happened to Eugene Levy and John Candy is what right. happened to those guys down to the, he told us when to take our breaks, we took our breaks, the place got robbed. Yep. So they're like, okay, Zeus must have something to do with this. Yeah. So they go to the but... sport pit. <laughs> what was it called? The sport pit. Oh, God, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. That is an unfortunate name. Yeah. <laughs> With a f- solid woman working that front desk. Oh, man, it. she could kick anyone's ass. Absolutely. So they're like, oh, yeah, we're interested in your gym. And they managed to make their way in. They hide in an exercise class, which I'm not really sure how she didn't see them in there. I don't know either. <laughs> like, when they cut to the shots where she's looking in the class, like, clearly they just didn't put Candy or Levy in the shot. Absolutely. <laughs> but but uh, they're, they hide there. They find Zeus in the weight room. Wait, but before they find him, as they're hiding in the exercise class one of the most 80s movies comedy thing happens of course someone sticks their butt right in john candy's face oh and he's all and that looked amazing in hd (laughs) (laughs) let me tell you oh my 
better memory than when I was eight. I'm just going to say. Because, <laughs> yes, I, I another movie that I probably saw at an inappropriately young age. You're like, a butt? I don't get it. <laughs> and then they're like, whoa, it's not a butt. So, next is the attempted murder with Jim Equipment. Yeah, so this is where the movie, I think, really starts to take it takes a hard right right here yeah big turn because they're uh basically chunk andy takes what what is that called that thing that he has well he's just doing like the free weights but he's doing the the pull down what's that what's that rope though that he has what that he wraps around zeus's neck and pulls him through that's just like a skipping rope okay it looks like one of those things that you like stretch out right could be, but I think it was a skipping rope because it didn't have a whole lot of give to it. Okay, well, he puts it around Zeus's neck to, like, choke him out while Levy is, like, holding the weights above his head. Which looks like it clearly had almost, like, 200 pounds, if not more, on it. Yeah, and John Candy's like, you know, he's really weak. He's going to drop it any second. He's going to squash your head. Why is no one else in this gym doing anything? I don't know. <laughs> They're all looking on. I tell you, who knows? Brent. Oh, Brent, would you like to tell us? That makes sense, actually. Yep, a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Uh, So, uh, Zeus finally admits that uh, O'Connell was the one who told told him to send them off to lunch uh, Mm -hmm. in the cafeteria at that time. So, they get their information. They start to leave. They run into... They run into the the woman from from the front desk and a couple other henchmen, I guess, or henchwoman. John Candy pulls a Nicolas Cage and starts punching women. Punches? Oh, yeah. It's like John Candy punched a woman. John Candy uh, punched a woman in this movie. That's a and sentence. That's a thing that happened. That's a thing that never happened. John Candy, not Nicolas Cage. Uncle Buck. Sweet Uncle Buck. The dude from The Great Outdoors. Who is Harry Crumb? That, that nice polka guy from Home Alone punched a woman. <laughs> Planes, trains, and automobiles. With the dead wife and the terrible mustache, punched a woman. I punched a woman and a dog in this movie. <sighs> and again, again, we I gotta we gotta state this for the record, Nathan. Yeah. John Candy, not Nicholas Cage. Not Nicholas Cage. <laughs> and this just kind of slows them down as they manage to get away from uh, these ladies as Zeus gives chase. Zeus does like there's a great shot. Um, Zeus is like charging at the door, but you can tell when he gets to the door, he lightly opens it. <laughs> like he, he's full stop and just like pushes the door open. Yeah. I don't think it's meant to be a joke, but I just I thought it was funny because they were clearly like, "All right, don't break that fucking door, Zeus." <laughs> and then he runs out and he he does the the chest pounding thing with the crossed eye that he did in every promo they did as him and Zeus. Yep. And does he like, naturally ha- his, his eyes are naturally like crossed like that right I think he does have one that yeah does it's a natural thing uh, one of my daughters has it she has to wear corrective lenses to keep it straight so okay that's what I thought because every role I've ever seen him in he has the same uh, it's just like the same thing yeah so next up we get another uh, familiar face because they go and meet up with Duke from Rocky yep <laughs> just fishing who plays a fellow named Cappy, who was a retired thief. Although you wouldn't know it the way he basically just steals money from Eugene Levy. 
<laughs> oh yeah, he's like, you want information? Uh, I'm all, I only talk to Andrew Jackson. But he'll only take it from Eugene Levy. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he, he's like, no, I can't take it from you. You're my friend. I'll take it from him, though. <laughs> so he basically tells them. He doesn't really give them all that much information. He just says, uh, Corleone is a thief. Yeah. And, like, he ran all the other thieves out of business. Uh, and then suddenly John Candy's fishing with him and he gets a bite and the way he fishes, I guess I'm, I'm going to say probably akin to like Eric Trump or something. Yeah. First he bumbles all over the place, knocks everybody over and then just shoots it. Yeah. That sounds about like in his wheel book of moves. Yeah. It's, it, it feels like a, uh, a Trump kid way to fish for sure. <laughs> Knock everybody over and then just shoot. <laughs> yep. And it's a shark too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> not, not even just a fish. So well, where I mean, was they're, I mean, they're, it's 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 a type of fish. Where, well, no, I I just mean like not just like a regular fish. Well, they're like fo- a, they're fishing off of like an ocean dock. I don't think they're looking to catch like a trout. Yeah. So I don't think they were all going after sharks though. <laughs> well, you know, not necessarily. I think they'd probably take whatever comes their way. Usually, <laughs> my only point here is. Where was John Candy's character when Jaws was happening? Or, you know, Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Could have used them then, that's for sure. But Deepest, unfortunately, bluest. Right. That's where... <laughs> that was... Oh, that's unfortunate. Deepest, bluest, John Candy shot the shark's fin. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they have that scene. And uh, then finally they're like, you know what? We should go tell Meg Ryan what's going on because... <laughs> You know, there's there's some there's some shady shit going down. And here's where we get another glimpse of John Candy's character being more Belushi than Candy. He is a pervasoid. Right? Like she's changing in the room and he's literally on the ground looking underneath the door. No, he's through peeping the, through the keyhole. Through the keyhole, yeah. yeah. Which begs the question, how did he not see her coming towards the door? <laughs> that too. <laughs> She comes to the door and he's all, uh, mm, her. Mm. And did you notice that when she walks through the door and he's like walking away, he's like stalking her? No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, like she's she's walking towards Eugene Levy and John Candy's like right behind her, just like staring. What I did notice though is that she had upside down blinds. What? Her blinds were upside down. You know how like if you have a window blind, it comes from the top of the window down to the bottom using gravity, right? Yes, yes. Her window blinds started at the bottom and went up. Well, let's find out who the prop master is on this movie. We'll have to get a hold and find out where... Uh, they looked intriguing, however, I feel they'd be more trouble than they're worth. <laughs> maybe it's because... Maybe she's just, like, real quirky. Well, that could be. And just, you know, fashionably on the cutting edge of 1986 haute couture. <laughs> there you go. Um, they're telling Meg Ryan basically like, hey, we think your your dad might have something to do with uh, uh, the union, the evil union, and, you know, they're doing some shady stuff. Hmm. And she's like, no, 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 you don't even have evidence. Like, why would you even think that this is my father? Like, I mean, to her credit, they're coming over and basically accusing her dad of being a criminal. Which perfectly leaves her in the right for saying, get the hell out of my house. Yeah. And John Candy's all, I'm a cop. I know these things. And she's like, leave! Get out! And John Candy somehow gets these two gorgeous models. John Candy giving funny, chubby guys hope since the (laughs) 1970s. 
You know what? This John Belushi thing makes more and more sense the more we talk about this. Yeah. Because I could see Belushi doing this part where he's like abrasive, pervy, uh, crazy, you know, getting all these women all the time. Yeah. Like, that makes so much sense. But you think about it, in other John Candy movies as well, I mean, he does have his dalliances, if you with, you know, some... Some good-looking ladies. I mean, True. he was with Ali Sheedy in Only the Lonely. I've never seen it. The The lady he was with uh, in Uncle Buck, well, yep. she was definitely more middle-aged. She seemed like a, a catch, as it were. Nathan, you're going to be upset. I've never seen Uncle Buck. What? I know. I have it, and I've never seen it. Oh, Brandon, you are doing yourself a huge disservice. I, I, I'm sure it's... Uh, no, I it's... say this in absolute seriousness. A lot of people will say that if you are you haven't seen a movie that they really like. Like, oh, you gotta see it. Like, dude, this is almost required viewing if you like, like, 80s family comedy stuff. I will watch it. I will watch it one day. Like, sat, like today? <laughs> no, I won't watch it today. But tomorrow? I, 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 maybe, I don't know. Monday? Uh, you know, I got stuff Monday. I'm gonna at you about this. <laughs> Every single day? Maybe. Are you watching Uncle Buck today, Brendan? <laughs> Every time you say no, I'll be like, oh, that's unfortunate. I'll see if I can find some a sad John Candy gifts. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry guys. Not yet. Not on Uncle Buck yet. I will give you the Uncle Buck update every episode if I've seen it yet or not. Man. So... Yeah, so they're with the the, the gorgeous girls, and uh, he runs into those two cops that framed him earlier. Yeah. John Candy, <laughs> and, and he just, like, fucking, they try to steal the girls, so he just fucking nuts one and punches the other. <laughs> yep. But, oh my goodness, for the kids, who was the band leader at the, at the club they were at? Uh, I don't know. It was Tito Puente. Oh, I did see that credit too. Yeah. Senor yep, that guy. We know him from this and The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he knocks him out and he's like, you know what, let's go crash a party. So they're going to go to. Uh, I keep saying Corleone, don't I? Well, fuck <laughs> yeah, it. It's... We're going to go to Corleone's party. They're going to go to his party and uh, get some more information. So before they get there, uh, we get Corleone kind of horning in on Meg Ryan a little bit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, gross. Uh, John Candy's a pervasoid, so so is he. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, "Mm, that's great. Mm, Gotta go. Bye. (laughs) The guys, uh, the Candy and Levy show up with their dates and uh, tell the security guards, one of which is, what's his name again? Popovich or something? Uh, Kokolovich. Kokolovich, yeah. They tell him, like, no, no, we're undercover. We're clearly not going to be on the list as our real names. Well, what name? What names are you under? Here, let me see that list. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> well, it, I, again, they're supposed to be the the comedic relief. The bumbling of the bumbling, if you will. Yeah. But anyway, they believe them. They get in there. And they're having a hard time... Uh, f- well, Eugene Levy's having a hard time fitting in. He actually... Does, his date says something about not wearing underwear, and he does a spit take on some old yeah, lady. All over some wealthy dowager. Yeah, and she's like, Oh! I get never! Your hands off me! I have to go back to my home at Gosford Park! <laughs> Excuse me, I have some pearls that need clutching. 
heavens, Megatron! <laughs> but at the same time, while this is going on, Meg Ryan questions her dad, and he kind of blows it off like, ah, don't question me what I do. It's got nothing to do with you. Don't worry about it. A Principal Strickland arrives and wants to meet with uh, Corleone about this this heist they got planned. And we just get an 80s character actor conference right there. Oh, yeah. We got Strickland. We got Loja. We got uh, Jonathan Banks. We got Brian James all in the same room. Yeah. Talking about their plan about uh, an armored, I guess, like uh, they're going to have an armored car. Uh, make some sort of transfer, and then they're gonna they're gonna rob the armor car to pay a drug cartel, and then yes. they're gonna get the money back via insurance. Makes sense, guys. Everyone got that? Okay, let's move forward. Plot's very important. <laughs> and of course, while this is going on, uh, Candy and Levy are listening in from the steam room that they snuck into. Yes, and he's like holding him in a headlock to keep him quiet. Get he's getting nothing but a face full of John Candy pit. Mm, and, like, in a room that's already super warm. Yep. <laughs> uh, Strickland, though, is has some qu- uh, some setbacks about the uh, reservations about this plan. And Corleone is like, oh, do you? All right, kill him. <laughs> so they basically take him out to, uh, off Strickland. Mm-hmm. Also, the meeting place where Strickland talks with, like, Corleone and like the two thugs or whatever yeah. looks like the same place they filmed that scene in Breaking Bad where Gus was poisoned. Oh yeah, could have been. I mean, it's it's Southern California. I know that uh, Breaking Bad was shot in Me- New Mexico and whatnot, but it's not a a big leap from one place to the other. Yeah, it, it, like just the the pool and everything. It just looked it looked familiar. It yeah. might not have been, but you know, it's, that's, that's well. The I mean, I got. it was probably also popular architecture at the time as well so they're in the steam room they're they're michael corleone's about to go in there and the two girls come over to distract him and again he's super perfect he's like and we're gonna have a threesome and i almost threw up i know right (laughs) (laughs) it's like a real joe's apartment moment right it's an absolute hollywood homicide (sighs) so they get out of the steam room they see that Strickland's being taken away. They try to run after him and save him, but uh, he gets shot and killed by the thugs in front of, like, everyone. Yeah, and they can clearly see that everybody who saw it saw that Mike and Brian James shot Principal Strickland. Exactly. But uh, Corleone's like, it was those two security guards that killed him. And O'Connell's like, of course it was. That makes sense. <laughs> so they're wanted for suspected murder. Yep. I just want to put that on record right now because it is a pretty important thing that comes up a little later. For me, anyways. All right. They make a getaway. Oh, this is where the movie feels very 80s. Yes, and they head straight downtown to Ben and Arthur's mom and pop (laughs) porno shop. (laughs) Yes! Yes! (laughs) Oh my god, Sam Marovich cameo. (laughs) oh and it like it is like every 80s interpretation of like alternate lifestyle you get you can get in this scene yeah like all the freaks and weirdos hang out at this one porno shop in on hollywood it's basically uh the stereotype store yeah so and the funny thing is they have they had porno on the racks and products on the racks that were legitimate products because they were still making and selling them when i worked at the smut shops in vancouver Mm-hmm. But they also went out of the way to make 
fake porno covers, the two that were just like playing with lewd names written on them. One was like Panty Aficionado or something? Yeah. Oh, no, and there was uh, Lady Lust 3, was yeah. one of the fake porno boxes. But the, uh, <laughs> a lot of the, uh, the stuff that you could just kind of see in the background, the books and the movies and stuff like that, some of those were legit. Okay. Yeah. I believe it. It's not like NBC where they all had the same one porno mag that was called Playpen. <laughs> uh, so when they get in here, there's a... They get they hide in the nudie booth, the twenty five cent peep show. <laughs> yep. And John Candy's like, uh, put the put the quarters in. It helps me think. Yeah, and and this is where uh, Eugene Levy turns from a lawyer to a judge. <laughs> very judgmental. He is very judgmental, but then he also says, "Okay, quickly I've got a plan." On, yeah, he quickly gets on board with it once the, they see the the lady dancing. Yep. And he says, okay, I, I got an idea. So he sticks his head out, and this guy that was making eyes at him earlier... Who looks like John Waters. He's got, like, a John Waters mustache, at the very least. Well, like a drawn-on John Waters mustache. Yeah, because it's clearly but, drawn on. That's not a real mustache. Yeah. <laughs> so he makes eyes at him to kind of get him to come into the booth. <laughs> like flicks you know. his tongue at him. So he calls them in, or he calls him in, and he thankfully he brings a, the 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 gay man brings a friend with him that looks exactly the same size as John Candy, drag queen. Yeah, yeah. One's a leather fetishist, the other's a drag queen. Uh, but they they go in and then uh, they do this whole thing where I, I guess they beat them up. No, I see, I didn't take it that because there was no sound cue for it. Well, what they do? Just ask if they could have their outfits. That's the way I took it. Because think about it. Just think about it for just a second. Yeah, we're talking about a marginalized culture within the '80s, right? Mm-hmm. They probably already don't have a good view of cops. Well, one of them is dressed like a cop. No, he's dressed like a leather biker guy. Oh, okay. But he's got the the Thomas of Finland hat on don't ask me how i know all this stuff okay it was a really awesome year and a half of my life (laughs) anyhow college was crazy this was after college which made it so much better oh okay so anyways um the way i saw it the way i read it was that even when i first saw this as a kid that they just switch clothes because what would have happened is he called them in, and they might have just explained, look, we're on the run from the cops. Can mm-hmm. we borrow your clothes to get away from the cops? And they probably already don't care too much for the cops, so they were like, we'll help a sister in need. I just, I thought maybe, um, I think it's weird they didn't include a shot of, like, showing them after, though. Like, if they had just switched, it would have been funny if we saw them in, like, John Candy and Eugene Levy's clothes. Yeah. Maybe. Like, just, like, laughing or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> I did, I did like, well, see that, and that's, this leads into my thing where I think that they just switch clothes, because the whole scene that comes up next takes place right outside, and it lasts a long time. Yeah. I feel that those two would have come to, came out of that peep booth, and were like, those guys took our clothes, get them. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you're, I think you're probably right, I just don't, I don't think the movie's very clear what, though. Well, we're talking about, uh, you know, a zombie production, essentially. Because it wasn't supposed to be made. It was only got made because Brian Grazer was like, Hey, Harold, can I do that thing that you wrote? And he was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Wait, you're actually doing it? 
<laughs> this is true. Um, I just want to say, though, that John Candy had to put on all that makeup, too, though. That would have taken a while. I, that's that's the one the one thing, hey? The one thing, yeah, the, okay, the sure. The one logic flaw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, they do have a they do have a uh, run in with the cops though. Yeah, and here's the thing: while the, obviously the cops are supposed to be showing disdain for this subculture, I was really surprised there wasn't one other f bomb dropped in this whole co- back and forth. They just call them weirdos and freaks, and but that's as far as it ever gets. I was actually very surprised too. <laughs> <laughs> What are you looking at, you schmuck? Oh, isn't he cute? And look at these muscles! Get your hands off me. Who do you think you're talking to? I'm a police officer. Oh, he gets so frisky when he sees a bad Hey, hello. What are you doing later on tonight? Take a walk, you jerk. Let's trot. Why can't you look this good? Mother Nature wasn't so kind to some of us. I'm moving. Oh, he touched me! I got my Christmas goose early. (laughs) If they want to come off that way, they have to do that. So it's almost a situation where it's like, yeah, they're they're playing up a stereotype, but they're playing up a stereotype to get away from the bad guys. Yeah, they're not actually playing, like, you don't have a movie with John Candy and Eugene Levy playing gay characters right. that are doing that kind of thing. Exactly. And that's probably, like, I mean, that's probably, like, a straight white dude's interpretation of what that is back in 1986, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So that allows them to get away. They meet up with uh, Meg Ryan, who has a good laugh at their expense. Yes, because Eugene Levy is wearing a, a assless chaps. Ass, well, he's wearing assless chaps, but he's got an, he's got a map to cover. Yeah, so he's got a map ass chap. <laughs> Jesus, or actually uh, a map ass chap flap, if you will. <laughs> I thought it was so. He has the map there, I guess, to cover his ass, and then... To show where everything's gonna go down, too. Yeah, let's look at this map. Eugene Levy (laughs) bends over. I'm like, just take the map off his ass. You wanna see his ass? I mean, I've already seen it. I'm desensitized at this point. (laughs) Fun story. I was watching this movie the other night, and uh, Cheyenne, uh, my oldest, walked (laughs) into the room... Just as the scene as Eugene Levy was walking away from the cops with his assless chaps. Yeah. And she started laughing. And I was like, what are you laughing at? She said, his butt. I was like, what are you doing looking at guys' butts? I mean, butts are pretty funny. <laughs> I, I like a good butt. And <laughs> you cannot lie? Uh, you other brothers can't deny. No. When Eugene Levy walks in with an indicated waist and a round thing in my face, I get fuzzy thing in your face. Cause oh god, I thought I, I really thought actually originally it was weird that he has like sweater underwear. <laughs> his his butt has the same hair consistency as his eyebrows. So okay, so this again before I'd said they're now they are sus- under suspicion of murder. Mm-hmm. At the very least, because they're everyone oh, at the party, yeah. or the two guys at the party, were saying that they killed Principal Strickland. Yeah, what a slacker! How does Eugene Levy show up in uniform and get to drive the truck? You know, I never even thought about that until you just mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, because that's this kind of comedy. 
you don't yeah. have you, you're you're not even supposed to pay attention to the inconsistencies because as soon as you do, you're losing out on the next five or six middling to good jokes that they're gonna tell. Yeah, I just like. I just, like, moved past it. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, they're back to work. And I didn't even think about the part where Robert Loggia was like, they're murderers! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so at this point, yeah, the plan is Eugene Levy's going to drive the armored car. But, of course, he gets in and Meg Ryan's already there. Cause she's like, I'm going to help you guys. Like, I believe you and everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to help you do your plan. Meanwhile, John Candy is dressing himself up like the Rocketeer. <laughs> yeah. And he has a fucking fifty caliber gun. It's illegal in every but everyone everywhere but two states, and this ain't one of them. <laughs> they get in the car. They're driving the car. They they see the goons trying to like rob them or whatever. Yeah. This is basically just a giant action sequence. Um, the driving scenes are like you know nothing special, but we get John Candy getting getting himself prepared. Well, first he has trouble getting the bike started in general. Yeah. And then he does manage to get the bike going. To a traffic jam. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but, we see before the uh, the goons, the hired goons, because you, you don't, nothing really says that personal touch like hired goons. Uh, Mike calls ahead to the other dudes who are going to do the holdup for them. We're going for a terrorist look here, so smoke the drivers, no <laughs> witnesses. When they said we're going for a terrorist look, I was like, oh no, oh no, who's wearing brown face? Oh god. <laughs> it's, yeah, see, it wasn't... It's, it, oddly enough, it was better then, because terrorism just meant the drivers were killed. Yep. Nobody showed up in a terrible caricature of another culture. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was more diehard terrorist than, like, Olympus has fallen terrorists. Right. Yeah, so John Cady gets, uh, his his thing gets stalls in a traffic jam, and he's trying to, like, get a ride with people, and they're they're turning him down. One person just, like, throws a beer on him, so he takes a knife and just fucking cuts the air in their tire. Well, no, okay, let's, let's play this out so it sounds fair to John Candy. He's trying to get help from people in traffic, and first, a lady crushes his fingers, a la Jamie Lee Curtis in Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, boy. Then, as he's running down the road, he sees another, a big truck that could, oh, these guys could probably get around traffic. So they're like, look, he says, look, I need your help. They're like, nah, and it's like a group of teenagers that throw beer on him. And they're all laughing at him, calling him stupid and stuff like that. And as he walks past their front tire, which easily cost $1,000, if not more, stabs it. (laughs) And deflates the front monster truck tire. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not saying he's in the wrong. I'm just saying that's that's what he does. Yeah. Uh, so he finally catches a glimpse of this guy in a huge truck. <laughs> like a uh, like a giant, like almost like a propane tanker. Yeah. And only known in this movie as the cowboy. By the way, he's been in a movie we've covered before. Is he? Uh, the actor's name is Steve Railsback. Okay. And he was the evil Nazi in Barbed Wire. Intriguing. Like the lead Nazi guy, yeah. Okay. So he's like, oh, shoot, dog, I'll, I'll drive you through this. So he dro- <laughs> So he gets in this tanker. Let's, let's call it what it is. He starts committing traffic murder. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Multiple people die in this scene. And at first, John Candy is off-put by this. 
and then immediately gets down with it. He's on board. 100%. By the way, he was a cop, what, a week ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the cowboy is just plowing through cars, murdering, like, at least a dozen people. Yeah. Um, off screen, of course, because it's PG-13. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's, at one point, this is where, you know John Candy's on board with it, because, hey, you know what? You're all right. Yeah. He's like, I like you too, partner. <laughs> So they, uh, he's, and then there's a moment too where he says, "What are you transporting, by the way?" And he says, "Rocket fuel." So they uh, finally make it to the rendezvous point where the, I guess the the robbery is supposed to happen. And this, this is where a young Michael Bay took inspiration. Oh my god! Because there is a fucking ice cream truck and a guy <laughs> with a rocket launcher. <laughs> yep. Actually, does launch it and it lands. It hits the the rocket fuel. <laughs> There's explosions galore. Explosion, but somehow doesn't kill them. It kills, well, though it kills just about everybody except John Candy and the cowboy. Yeah, it kills, like, the two uh, dirty cops because they crash into it. Yeah. And they burn up. But then John Candy and the cowboy make it out. Uh, also, I guess at this time we should mention, too, that uh, Corleone's already been arrested. Yes. By O'Connell. Who's yep. finally seen the light and turned against him. <laughs> it's the weirdest delivery. He's like, I'm busting your ass. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's arrested. So we just got, we're down to like Mike and Brian James. Uh, but they, they they drive right towards them. And John Cage just starts shooting with that 50 caliber gun. Yep. And oh my God, that car flips 82 times. <laughs> Like, they're so dead after that. Mm-hmm. But they get right up, <laughs> they get right out of the car, and get punched and arrested. I, again, this is a movie. Now, I I can see this happening in an out-of-control John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd movie. Or, like you said, the finale of, like, a Michael Bay movie. Right. For this supposing to be a light-hearted 80s comedy because that's what John Candy's known for for it to end so violently it was really I was so upset <laughs> it was it was very off-putting right it, it, yeah it felt more Blues Brothers than John Candy yes actually that's a, a great uh, analogy for, like where all the cars are piling in on top of each other and stuff like that yeah exactly like I said Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, I can see this happening in one of their movies. It's weird yeah. to see it happening in a John Candy movie. Exactly. Wrong John, guys. Yeah. Well, I'm at that uh, point, R.I.P. Uh, yeah, and unfortunately, R.I.P. later for this John, too. Yeah. But... Don't get me all choked up on Saturday, Brendan. I, I, can't, I can't deal with that sort of thing. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Let's, we'll okay. move on. Let's move on. So, um, in the end... You know, John Candy gets uh, his CO, I guess, or his former CO, comes in. He's like, listen, you're a disgrace to the uniform, and that's why I want you back as a plain clothes officer. <laughs> wah, 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 that's how wah. that sort of stuff works. Yeah, that you just get hired back. You're wanted for murder. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, given the, the looseness of the laws in this movie, would you feel comfortable in putting them in the same cinematic universe as American Ninja and Mikey? I would be surprised if they were not. Okay. 
the Mikey, of course, uh, teaching us all how adoption works. Yes. Picking <laughs> your kids up at the airport. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Corleone's arrested. Uh, J- uh, Mike and uh, Brian James are arrested. And Eugene Levy's offered. He's like, hey, you should hire this guy to the police force. He's like, no, 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 I don't want that. I don't want to no. be a cop. Yeah. And he does get Meg Ryan to say, hey, call me. Yeah. Because she's a blondie, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I didn't have to see like them have an actual moment, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> but uh, that's pretty much the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, credits, I think they play the Armed and Dangerous theme song yeah, again. Yeah, it had its own song. Armed and Dangerous. Oh, and the cowboy gets that fifty caliber pistol. Yeah, which he puts down the front of his trousers. Yep, and just walks away. <laughs> uh, my theory is that the cowboy is like a, a character only John Candy can see. Wouldn't it be interesting if that gun was handed down father to son, <gasps> father to son, until it was given to the head Nazi in barbed wire? <laughs> oh my god, every every cin- cinematic universe. <laughs> it's the what were they thinking cinematic universe. Brendan, it's going to be huge. We're going to make billions. Uh, why do you think so small, Nathan? Trillions. <laughs> But that is Armed and Dangerous. Nathan, uh, You would you uh, recommend this one? Oh, yeah. If you're a fan of, like, just bonkers 80s comedies, this is right in your wheelhouse. Yeah. It's, like, lower-tier 80s comedy, I think, for me. Like, there's a lot of... There's a lot of, like, better, consistently funny ones, but this yes. is, like, dumb and easy to digest. So I yep. would say sure. There's, like, there's a lot of good movies that are would probably fall into, the, like, this kind of movies category i was just thinking of one today uh renaissance man i've never heard of it oh it's uh got danny devito in it where he tries to teach a classroom full of uh military misfits you know, they need to pass this literature class in order to continue to serve in the military of course they do right their uh sergeant is played by gregory hines okay and the uh troops uh contain the likes of mark Wahlberg. And, uh, Kadeen Harrelson, Dwayne Wayne from a different world. So it's, again, it's one of those movies. It's, it's not overly hard to digest. It's a fun little movie. Some of the logic doesn't make all that much sense, but yeah. you know, it's one of those things like, oh yeah, that's, let's, you know, let's check that out, you know, cause I can't figure out what I really want to watch. So <laughs> I'll take some chips instead of a, 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 meal of my choice if you will if i can draw a food analogy and much like armed and dangerous if you talk about it for more than five minutes you see all the gaps <laughs> <laughs> and the problem is once you're done watching about an hour or so later you're gonna want to watch something else too uh, so i guess that was armed and dangerous uh and a little bit of renaissance man yeah so uh but right now we are gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back What Were They Thinking is brought to you by HostGator. HostGator is a leading provider of shared, reseller, VPS, and dedicated hosting solutions. Award-winning support is available 24-7, 365 days a year via phone, email, and live chat. Discover why over 9 million websites trust HostGator. Use the coupon code SCHLUCK for 25% off your first purchase. That's SCHLUCK, S-C-H-L-O-C-K, for 25% off your first purchase. 
What Were They Thinking is brought to you today by GameItAll.com. Whether it's video game news, the latest in music, or movie reviews, GameItAll.com is your one-stop shop for all nerdy talk. Alright, people, listen up. I have to tell you about something that I was blown away by, and it is going to change the way you listen to podcasts. Seriously. Uh, There is a new free app called PodCoin, and what that is, is that is an app that literally pays you, the listener, pays you to listen to podcasts. You can listen to our show, What Were They Thinking?, or any other of your favorite podcasts and earn PodCoins while you listen. And what you can do with those pod coins is you can exchange it for valuable rewards like Amazon and Starbucks gift cards. Or you can even just donate the pod coin to one of the many charities that they support on the app. Uh, I already got myself something nice with one of the gift cards I earned just for listening. Just for listening to podcasts! And you can too. It's very simple. Just download PodCoin in the App Store or on Android and use our special code WWTTPD. To get a sign-up bonus, you'll get some bonus pod coins right off the bat. That's WWTTPD for 300 bonus pod coins. Sign up today. And we are back. Yes, we are back. <sighs> Nathan? Uh, yes, Brendan? It's time once again for Haiku, a low haiku. The low haiku. 17 syllables to break down our thoughts on this movie, even though we already gave our thoughts. This will break it down even further. It'll encapsulate them in the perfect 17 syllables. Now, I will uh, I will let you finish strong, because I believe last week we had Josh and then you and then myself. So yes. I actually remembered this time because good we recorded these episodes very closely together. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good work. <laughs> A little behind the scenes, left in the curtain. Patreon exclusive. Again, I don't think you know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> John Candy, sexy? Eugene Levy, assless chaps? World is not ready. Yes, very good. Very, very good. It actually, it does drive home the point that this movie was far ahead of its time. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was going for. Okay. Mine has uh, a similar theme. Okay. Renacop movie. John Candy, a Mac Daddy? Eugene's assless chaps. In in fact, in, in if I ever have a uh, my next punk band will be named Eugene's Assless Chaps. Oh boy, we'll 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 tour the world and sell millions. Hopefully, no visual slideshows along with your performances. Well, I feel that that would that's a given. We would have to do that. Oh dear. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna. Hey, we're popping right back in. I feel that we should have saved that punk rock thing for. This voice, but I think it worked really well, the NPR voice. (laughs) Uh, Nathan, we talked about Armed and Dangerous. We had a nice little discussion about this film. We did. But what do we always say? Well, it's good advice from us, but we always say...
okay, now to be fair, to be fair. To be fair. Uh, as we go to Rotten Tomatoes here, I just want to say, yes, this rating is low, but I think there are not a lot of reviews. No, a lot of them all come from later years. Yeah, so I mean, the critics rating on this movie is 11%. Yeah. Uh, again, it doesn't have like 170 reviews. It would probably be like 30s or something. Actually, nine total count for critic reviews. I feel like it would be somewhere in the 30s if it was like, had the same amount as like a regular movie now. Yeah. And uh, audience is 39%, so overall audience is not completely thrilled with this either. It's, yeah. So, I mean, like, like you said, it, it's, it's an 80s comedy, it's pretty dumb, it's, like one, of the le- it's one of the lesser known ones for sure. Um, but let's, let's get into these reviews here. So SCTV, pff, wow, SCTV. It's great, go see it, our friends are in it. <laughs> <laughs> First up is uh, from Paul Atanasio at the Washington Post. He says, it takes a director with a true genius for disaster to put together SCTV veterans John Candy and Eugene Levy and come up with a movie without a single laugh in it. That's harsh. Yeah. I mean, at least he's not trying to be uh, punny. I suppose, yeah. Just stating his case. (laughs) Well, uh, Walter Goodman uh, from the New York Times, I think this move, this... This review, actually, even though it says it was published on two, in 2003, I think it was just a reprint of the original. Okay. Uh, he writes, or at least starts off his review with, This exercise in inanity opens today at the UA Twin and other theaters. Oof. So he calls it inane, which kind of lets you know where he's sitting with this movie. <laughs> Opened in 2003, too. Again, I feel it was when they went online. <laughs> I think we're just wrong. I think it did open in 2003. I think John Candy is alive and well. It was. It, it opened at some the John Candy Film Festival they hold in New York. There we go. I'd go to that. I would, too. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Ken Hankey from the Mountain Express says, It may not be armed, but it's dangerous, all right. Doesn't make any sense. I don't know why it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not like... <laughs> It's neither armed nor dangerous, but what it is, is trite and cliched. There we go. That's a better review from Ken Hankey of the Mountain Express. <laughs> Scott Weinberg of E-Film Critic says, How could two amazingly funny guys spend so much effort on a movie so bereft of laughs? Candy and Levy deserve much better, and they moved on to it after this junk pile. Uh, they did do better stuff after this. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah that's, there's no, there's no denying that. But I mean, it's, it's like the movie Faster. Yeah, sure, The Rock's in it. Kind of middling and not that great. He did a lot of way better stuff afterwards. True. I have a, have a weird affection for that movie. Yeah? What about Snitch? How do you feel about that? Isn't that the same movie? No. Okay, I thought forever that that was the same movie and they just changed the title. Faster, he plays a, a guy who gets out of prison to go after his brothers and goes after his brother's killers. And in Snitch, he plays a, a guy's dad who agrees to go, uh, I don't know, undercover for the cops so his son doesn't go to jail, which probably exists in the same cinematic universe as American Ninja and Mikey and this movie. <laughs> Wow, I feel like both those movies you just mentioned are the same movie still in my mind. <laughs> just imagine 
I was trying to think about them, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I watched, if if they're not the same movie, then I watched them both at the exact same time on two television sets right beside each other. <laughs> well, easy way to differentiate, Faster has Jennifer Carpenter, and The Rock is a lot more straightforward aggro. Mm. Whereas in The Snitch, he's just like, I'm, I'm trying to do right by my son. Yeah, I still feel like they're the same thing. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Okay. Because the audience clearly has something to say about this. Well, Dr. S gives it two stars. Okay. And he says, Eugene Levy and assless chaps is the memory from this movie burned into my brain. You've been warned. Oh, Eric N, he gave it uh, three and a half stars. Mm. I think you need to be a fan of these folks, but if you are, this is a nostalgic, super 80s romp. Light on laughs and, of course, script, yet somehow the cast makes it more than watchable. It's probably a like-it-or-hate-it movie. It's humble, and I went with it. <laughs> it's humble. That, that was a pretty straightforward review right up until the end. That, like, took a sharp left. <laughs> uh, this one's a five-star review from Sean C. Says, Superb! Unbelievable! It has the greatest plot device ever conceived and implemented! <laughs> Alright then. He is excited, wow. Very excited. You said that was Scott C? Yeah, uh, Sean C. Oh, sorry, okay, because I have one here from Scott C. It's a, okay. little, it's a little more concise. His brother. Yeah, probably. John Candy is a legend! Three and a half stars. <laughs> Great review. Um, I have some questions, uh, for this one, Nathan, because this is a two and a half star review and, uh, it's written by Nathan S. (laughs) Nope. Not me. Why? Yes. I like this. It still makes me chuckle after all these years. Madcap duo Levy and Candy once again, strike the match for zany slapstick humor with an action edge to it. And for some odd reason, Meg Ryan is in the film. Go figure it out. The story is dumb, the plot is corny, and the action is limited. But after all these flaws, it still cracks me up like a Smokey and the Bandit film. Lots of car crashes and bad guy schemes. Nathan Spavel. <laughs> it's clearly someone channeling me, because those are a lot of my feelings, but I feel my syntax and grammar might have been a bit better. Yeah, I don't think you would say Meg Ryan is in the film, go figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I just like and like what's funny is too like you know how you can see their little avatars sometimes yeah the little avatar by his name kind of looked like the one you have now so I was like is that Nathan <laughs> where is this I gotta find it now I just I don't even know where it is I just wrote it down <laughs> uh well Greg R wrote great. Another really funny comedy from Candy and Levy just makes things better. 8.5 out of 10 for me. Four stars. (laughs) Alright. I only have one more here, and it's from Eddie. No no last name. Five-star review, and he just says, Keep an eye out for a shoe like this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, keep, keep an eye out. I mean, he... He needs that shoe. He needs that shoe. He must have. He must have got it. He must have came here to meet Milos or something. <laughs> I have shoe. You have money. Milos, did you take this Eddie guy's shoe? No, I saw a shoe. He said that you were looking for a shoe, and I just conveniently found shoe. You should probably email. Wait, not email. You should probably mail that shoe to Eddie. 
once he send money, Milos has to get paid too, you know. Alright, Eddie, you heard the man. Get at us on Twitter. Thank you. More later. <laughs> Wait a second. Oh, I'm sorry. I steal Monkey's line. He's not going to be happy later. I will go hide in the closet. Th- that's probably for the best. Nathan, is he in there? Uh, lock it, lock it, lock it! Okay, okay. Okay. Weird, our lock sounds like a mouse click. <laughs> it is weird, but, you know, that's 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 the offices. That's how we do. Yeah. So, that's I guess that's the end of the reviews. Do you got any more? No, that's that's it. All right. So that's that's that. I did find um, your Nathan S review and I think it's a gremlin okay. that he has. Oh okay. I just thought it was like blue and I thought it was like it looked quick. I looked at it quick and it looked like the same icon. Oh, the the one I have on Facebook, Pork Grind? Yeah. Yeah. That's Pork Grind from the Spider-Ham universe. There you go. The more you know. <laughs> so that does it for that movie for Armed and Dangerous. Um going to drop a hint ski for the next one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So here we go. <clears throat> How well do you know your alphabet? That's it. Okay. All right. So, uh, of course, tune in Monday and uh, on our Twitter page and our Facebook page, and we'll reveal what that movie is <laughs> for next week. Montrose around. You want to give a little message? Yes. Okay. okay. Second, because <clears throat> we're recording during the day, so he's wide awake. Oh, perfect. <clears throat> Hello. Hello. Hello, Brendan. Now you're going to stop doing that, aren't you? How are you? I'm fine. You will cease and desist. Or I will get Eugene Levy's lawyer. What? Oh, I just was wondering if you had a YouTube channel. I'm getting to that. Oh, sorry. Interrupting me. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, as this knuckle-dragging, mouth-breathing ne'er-do-well alluded to... Hey, that's me. Yes, that is you. Okay. You can find my YouTube channel, Montrose Monkington TV, of course, on your YouTube, but you may also Google it and you will find it. Uh, you can also f- be friends with me on Facebook. Uh, join my Facebook group, Montrose Monkington III Esquire and Friends. And then finally, if, you, uh, if, if brief messages are your bag, as the kids say, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Montrose III. That's the number 3RD. Uh, thank you. More later. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. No, no, you're welcome. It was your pleasure. You said thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. It was all your pleasure. It was yours. The pleasure was yours. I saw it in your eyes. Uh, Montrose, is that your dad over there? Oh, I'm getting out of here. I thought he was in California. I'm just going to get And that's how you do it. He just walked away, didn't he? Yeah, he took off. He doesn't want to confront him right now. So, yeah, and you can also find us, uh, our podcast, on all the podcatchers. It's on Podbean, obviously, www.ttpodcast.podbean.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at www.ttpodcast. Find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group, What Were They Thinking Interactive. We're on the Patreon, TeePublic, Redbubble, all that good stuff. You can sign up on Patreon for lots of cool shit. Get, uh, you know, pick the movie, be a guest, uh, bonus episodes, of which there is one coming up later this month, and, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, Montrose? No, I'm trying, I'm, I'm working on, uh, 
uh, an Alan Arkin impression. Do the whole show like that. As Alan Arkin. <laughs> I didn't like it. Unfortunately, it just ends up sounding like Kevin Pollock doing an Alan, Alan Arkin impression. <laughs> Not unlike uh, my William Shatner. <laughs> so, uh, Alan Arkin and Nathan, I just have, uh, I just have a questions. few questions. You do, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Get, get my notes things. and see what I can do for you. Okay, well, here we go. Okay. In a movie mm-hmm. where John, lovable John Candy. Yes. Lovable, cuddly, huggable John Candy. Very family friendly and personable, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is playing this asshole of a man. <laughs> well, it's a bit harsh, but he's, okay. He's kind of an asshole. Okay. In a movie where we see Eugene Levy's bare ass. Yes. Highlight of the film. In a movie where Harold Ramis wanted no part of. Okay. Afterwards. Not sure why, but yep. And in a movie where, I mean, you got every character actor, I think, in existence. At least at that time, yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, despite that, I just, I gotta ask. Please ask. What were they thinking? ever found yourself scrolling through the recommended movies on streaming services and wondering if any of those are worth your time, I'm here to help. Hi, I'm Erica, host of Customers Also Watched, a podcast about movies on Amazon Prime. I started with one movie from my own watch list, and from there, each episode, I grab a friend or two, and we discuss a movie from the Customers Also Watch list of the previous episode's movie. Follow on Twitter at CAW Podcast, and Facebook or Instagram under Customers Also Watched. Available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. See you down the rabbit hole. Hey everyone, it's Chris and Mike from The Recasting Couch, the podcast where we take our favorite movies and discuss what they would be like with new actors in all the lead roles. Hey Mike, tell them where they can find us on social media. You can find our website at therecastingcouch.com or on Twitter at RecastingPod. And of course, you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Android, or anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. Yeah, if there's a service that's not posting our pod, you let us know and we will rectify that immediately. Damn right. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. 